You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Go ahead, grab your seats. Everybody okay? I've determined, I had a chat with, uh, with some, some like-minded people on the, on the door this morning. We've decided today is the last official day that you can really say Happy New Year to people. Um, so, so, so just turn to the person next to you, give them a quick Happy New Year if you've not done it already. It's the first Sunday in church. If you see somebody next week and they weren't here this week, they don't deserve your Happy New Year. They weren't in church on the first Sunday of the year, so, so just, just save it. But uh, listen, it's so great to have you in church this morning, and particularly if you're here for the very first time, we want to welcome you to the house of God this morning. I hope that you feel at home, and uh, welcome to the new year, the new season. And listen, before we get too far away... Oh, hello. Before we get too far away from Christmas, it's like when you say Christmas, the mic cuts out. It's like, not yet. Not yet. We're done with that. Before we get too far away from Christmas, we do want to um, thank all of you who served, who gave, who prayed for the different Christmas services and the community outreaches and everything we were able to do as a church, not just across locations, but actually right here in Richmond. You know, over those, uh, those few weeks where we had the Christmas services and we had all the outreaches like the Stay and Play event and a number of other things, in Richmond alone over those few weeks, we were able to share the gospel with over 500 people this Christmas. And we're so thankful for that opportunity. So thank you for all of you who play your part in that. And also we're able to make a difference in the lives of many, many people in our town and in our community through the different programs we have like Storehouse, like stay and play. There was an incredible uh, statistic that Pete shared with me this week that on the last storehouse of, uh, not quite the last of the year, the last storehouse before Christmas, because we did open between Christmas and New Year, but on December 22nd, storehouse provided in one day in this town, 1,896 meals for the people of our community. In one day. In fact, in two hours. That's pretty incredible, isn't it, that we get to be part of, of making a difference and helping meet the needs of people. So thank you for all of you who continue to serve in various ways on Storehouse. Some of you are here on the day, on Thursdays, helping to serve our community. Some of you come in uh, unknown to others and are stacking shelves in there, or you go and you pick up food from Tesco's and other supermarkets. So thank you for all that you were doing, because last year, in the whole of 2022, we were able to provide for our community approximately, approximately, 42,674 meals to our, to our community, and we, and we love that. And we, our prayer is that for every love uh, that has been, every gift that has been given, every bit of love that has been shown, light that has been shown, people will come to know Jesus for themselves. This isn't just about good deeds, but the Bible tells us they will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that's our prayer, that actually we'll continue to do good deeds, continue to make a difference, and continue to see the kingdom of God advance in our town, in our region, in North Yorkshire. Amen? 
We're going to pray before we open up the Word of God. So why don't you jump to your feet? Let's take a moment to awaken our bodies and awaken our faith this morning as we step into this new year. Come on, let's start to pray together. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to be gathered here. Lord, we come afresh with this new year. Lord, ready and confident to knowing that you are with us, that you are for us, that if you are for us, then who can be against us? God, we come with a confidence this morning in your Word. God, we know that it's powerful. We know that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We know your Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We know it's alive and active. It's able to speak to us personally. This morning, your word wants to illuminate something in our lives. So help us now to be good seed, ready to receive the soil of your, uh, the good soil, ready to receive the seed of your word. God, we have a confidence in you, a confidence in your word and your ability to speak to us. So help us this morning, God, to open up more than just our ears, but open up our hearts and our minds to receive something fresh from your word. Today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab your seats. We are launching a whole new series today across all locations of church. And our brand new series for this year that we're going to be looking at right throughout the month of January and into February, it's called Greater. And Greater is all about faith. It's all about expectation. It's all about our perspective. It's all about how our personal understanding of God can give us a greater experience of God in our daily lives. That God doesn't want to be just something that we observe on a Sunday, but the more we have a greater understanding of who God is, the more we can experience him at work in our daily lives, in our family, in our finances, in our career, in all the different things that our life revolves around. God wants to be greater in every area of our lives. And so we're going to be unpacking things from the word of God over the next few weeks around this. I want to start with this scripture. In Paul, the Apostle Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, he gives us this great phrase, a phrase that many of you will know really well. He says this in chapter 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Another translation will say we live by faith and not by sight. So your walk with God does not have to be shaped by the stuff that is going on around you. That your active personal relationship with God does not have to be defined by whether you're having a good day or a bad day because there is always a greater way for us to live than just in response to the emotions and the circumstances of the day. Your walk doesn't have to be defined in that sort of way. We don't have to live by sight. We don't have to live by our senses, the Bible tells us, when we can choose to live by faith. And faith always has a different perspective for us. Even when we're surrounded with certain things, even though our eyes see certain things, we can live in a different way. And when Paul was writing this in his second letter here to the church in Corinth, uh, when you study the origins of where he was writing, he was on his third missionary journey. And, and in today's kind of standards, when we think, oh, he's on a missionary journey, that must be nice. Big cruise liner going around the Mediterranean, just having a really nice time. Probably a few off days, a few all-inclusive all kind of cabana days on, on the side. Who knows that Paul's missionary journeys were, were perhaps slightly different to your experience, and that's not my experience of missionary journeys either. But Paul's experience included shipwrecks, torture, and prison. Wasn't always walk in the park. So Paul knew what it meant to have it tough, yet even though he faced some things that were tough, his faith was always greater. His faith was greater than the circumstances that he was facing at the time. And, and sometimes I think the reason that we struggle to believe for greater, 
When we talk about having greater faith for this year and stepping into the new year with a bold expectancy that God is who he says he is, and so if he is who said he is, and if he's on my side, then I'm going to believe for transformation. I'm going to believe for growth. I'm going to believe for change. But sometimes the reason that we struggle sometimes for greater is because of what's going on right now. You say, well, how, how can I believe for, for greater in my marriage when I'm still hurt by that thing that happened? How can I believe for greater in my finances when I'm, when I'm still struggling to pay my gas bills? How can I believe for greater in my life when it just feels like life is stuck in a rut right now? And sometimes the reason we struggle, therefore, to, to have greater expectation, greater hope, greater faith for God to come through is because we can't see it. We're so consumed with what's going on right in front of our eyes. But listen, this, this idea of greater is about choosing to live by faith even when we can't see it. Even when our emotions and our circumstances and our situations would tell us to be squashed down of this is your limit in life, this is just your lot in life, there is a greater perspective that we can have in God. We don't have to live by sight when we can choose to live by faith. Even when it doesn't make sense. Because God always has something, there is always something greater to be found in God, even when the situation is hard. Even when the situation, like Paul was saying, is tough, there's always something greater to be found in God. The problem is, sometimes we lose perspective. Problem is, sometimes we get so consumed with right now, and we react based on the current situations. Anybody ever lost it? Just lost it. Way too many of you laughed but didn't raise your hand. The laughed, the laugh showed me that you know what I'm saying, but the hand was like, I'm not going to admit to it, but I will laugh about it. Or you're just, you're pointing at somebody else. Anybody else got somebody else in their life who's lost it on a regular occasion? Okay, you just Adam. That was a really bold move. Anybody ever got so caught up in the circumstances? You got so caught up in the drama that you just lose perspective? Or you got so caught up in, you moved past the hunger, you entered that phrase that I don't really like, hangry, and you've moved past, you entered the hangry phase, and, and you don't like to admit that you get hangry, but it's true that if we don't give you snacks enough, something terrible happens to you, and there's point, pink fingers I could point right now, but I won't, through the grace of God. Anybody ever had those moments where you, you're hangry, but you just end up losing it at, at somebody else? We have a story that's famous in our family like this, and sadly, I'm the one who's not the victim, but I am the victor. No, I'm the perpetrator of the losing it situation. And, uh, it, and it happened years ago in our house. It happened when we were on holiday years ago, but uh, my boys just will not let it go. And so it feels like it was just yesterday, because even though it was four years ago, I'm still reminded of it probably on a weekly basis. Uh, we, were, we were on holiday in, in America uh, a few years ago celebrating our, our 10th anniversary of, of leading the church. And we, were, we had been in California for a week, and on the Sunday, we said, hey, we're going to go to church. It's the Lord's Day. We've got to go to church. So we were in downtown L.A. to go to church. We got up early. We went to a 9 a.m. service in one church, and then we spent the whole of the rest of the day. We were going to an evening service somewhere else, but we crammed in so much other touristy stuff whilst we were downtown in the middle of Los Angeles. And so we'd been to markets. We'd been up skyscrapers. We'd been on this death-defying slide. We'd been all sorts of other stuff happening. And uh, we were... 
we were getting ready to go to, I think it was a six o'clock service, and we found ourselves in the afternoon at this kind of big famous shopping area that had a food market on the side, and we were loading up on, on sugar to fuel those kind of touristy um, woes that we were having in the middle of the day, and so we, we found this place that serves waffles of the largest variety, of the American size variety, where there's waffles and every kind of sugar that you could put on these waffles to, uh, to kind of go along with it. And so we'd sat down, we said, this is gonna, something we're going to do, and, and Gail had gone off, I think, to find some drinks, and it was just me and the boys getting these massive waffles. And we sat down, and I was a little bit weary, I was already a little bit hangry, a little bit cranky, uh, but we were going through the motions, and we knew we had a church service that we really wanted to get to on the evening, even though we were kind of really tired, we are like, no, it's something to do. Uh, and we sat down, and, and Noah is putting some syrup on his waffles, and this amount of time is not an exaggeration of how much syrup he's putting on his waffles. And, and at some point, I think the waffle stayed still, but he moved, and now he's just pouring syrup on his trousers. And just something at that moment just meant that I lost it. Just got way too dramatic, just lost all perspective. Didn't, didn't really shout, but totally lost perspective and was just over the top dramatic. And I'm like, how can we take you anyway when you are looking like this? You can't go anywhere. And the famous line that my kids say to me time and time again is, you can't go to a church with syrup on your trousers. And I stand by the statement but it was, it was perhaps delivered in a way over the top way. And so now anytime there's a mention of waffles or syrup, even trousers or church, and church gets mentioned quite a lot in our house, the line comes back to me, you can't go to church with syrup on your trousers. I'm clean, look, there's no syrup going on. And they, it was small, it was in my head insignificant, but it's still remembered to this day. And we got past it, we, we kind of cleaned up, we made ourselves presentable, we did get to a church service, uh, but the shame of my tantrum still lives on in our house. Anytime there's a mention of waffles, syrup, trousers, or, or church. But it's easy sometimes for us to lose perspective. And I want us to read a scripture. In a moment, we're going to turn to John chapter 14. So if you're making notes or if you're turning in your Bibles, we're going to be in John 14 in, in just a moment. And I want us to turn to a, to a text here in the words of Jesus. And there's no greater place for us to ground ourselves at the start of a new year than in the words of Jesus. And when we read this passage in a moment, what, is, what I want us to see here is that when we lose perspective or when we therefore have sometimes a wrong perspective, because when we've lost perspective, we, we've drifted into having a wrong perspective, it could actually hinder us from seeing God do something greater in our lives. That when we lose perspective, when we've lost rationale, when we've allowed ourselves to drift into a certain pattern of thinking or a certain way, a certain mindset, a certain perspective, it could cause us to miss out on something greater that God wants us to do in our lives. And in the passage we're going to read in the moment, it's the disciples who are having a hard time, if you can read it that way, they're having a hard time believing for greater, but not because things are hard, actually because things are so good that they've got Jesus with them. They have the physical incarnation of God walking and talking with them. He's teaching them. He's revealing things to them. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's doing incredible miracles. And so how could things ever get greater than they are right now? Because surely this is perfection. We've literally got God with us. He comes out fishing with us. He has dinner with us. He walks from village to village with us. And so how could things get greater for the disciples? And, and so... The idea of greater was a hard perspective because things were so good right now. And here's the thing I want us to understand. Before we get into this verse and before we get into the messages that you'll hear over the next few weeks in this, in this series, that greater is not just a message 
about when things get hard that there is improvement. Because the series isn't called Better. That things, are, things can be better than this. Because the truth is you can be in the best moment of your life and there is still greater things to come. You can be in the highest point in your life, never mind just the hardest point of your life, and still understand that with God there is always more for us to experience. The Bible tells us Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, it says, Now to him, it points our eyes up, fix our eyes on God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So as long as we are available to God's power, there is always immeasurably more to be seen. So greater isn't just a message about, I know things are hard right now and they're going to get better. Because maybe you're in the best season of your life today. There is still greater that you can experience in God. But maybe you are in the hardest moment of your life right now. There is still more for us to find in God. We can all become greater in our faith. And that's what Jesus is teaching to the disciples here. And so we're going to take a little wander through the first 14 verses of John chapter 14. And most of the words we hear, if you've got a red letter Bible, most of what we're seeing here is the words of Jesus. Just a few questions thrown in from the disciples. So John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you? I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I am going. We'll pause there. So Jesus is starting to reveal something of the bigger picture perspective of what faith is all about. And you've heard it today. David uh, amazingly talked about the, the beauty of heaven. And so Jesus is starting to try and open the disciples' eyes to say, hey, there's more to even just got what got goes on right in front of you. There's more than your eyes can see. There's more than you can grasp your head around right now because it's not just earth. There's an eternity with God. And so Jesus is starting to speak to his disciples about the beauty of heaven that he's gone to prepare for us, trying to open up their eyes to a different perspective, to realize that there's more going on. But of course, they're limited, like you and I are, limited with an earthly perspective. And so I love that the interactions that we see from the disciples here, because they're really not catching on to what Jesus is trying to reveal to them. He's trying to talk about something supernatural, they're consumed with the natural. So he said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to take you with me they're going to go with you to heaven Thomas said to him Lord we don't know where you're going my paraphrase would be Lord we don't know what you're going on about we can't wrap our heads around this we don't know where you're going so how can we know the way so he's looking for some sat nav directions he's looking for some kind of turn right here once you get to the third cloud turn left then you will enter heaven can't get his head around the kind of bigger picture perspective that Jesus is trying to reveal to him because he's living by sight he's not living by faith so Jesus tries to kind of carry on with the, with the bigger picture perspective he's bringing Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you really know me you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he's saying, if you're looking for a signpost, stop looking to other things, just look to me. I'm the way. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to come through a relationship with Jesus. You can't do it through good works. You can't do it through just 100% church attendance in 2023. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So he said, if you're looking for a way, I'm the way. Does that answer your question? Uh, have you got it then? Then another disciple. 
picks up. Another disciple has another earthly-based question. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. He's like, can't you bring God here now? Do we have to follow you? Do we have to wait for eternity? Can't you just show us God now? Another earthly-based perspective on trying to get it into kind of, well, this would be more convenient for me. Jesus goes on. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even, I, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has already seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So he's saying to them again, do you still not get it? Are you still so fixed on a wrong perspective of trying to get this into an earthly idea? He said, if you want to see the Father, look at me. I am the physical embodiment. He was fully man, but he was also fully God. So he's saying, if you look to me, you can see the glory of God in me. And so if you don't believe that, at least look at the miracles, at least look at the evidence of all the stuff that's taken place. He said, this isn't just coming from me. I'm not just some superman. I'm a supernatural man. Look at the evidence. Look at the miracles. When you see the miracles, you see the glory of God. So he's trying to give them this bigger picture perspective. Realize there's something greater going on than just a good man saying good things. He's not just a good man. He's a God man. He is the physical representation of God. So he delivers all of this to the disciples to, to try and give them this bigger perspective. Then verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may, be ask, me, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Some incredible teaching from Jesus. And every word is trying to give them a greater perspective, help them to lift their eyes off the current and realize there's something greater that God wants them to wrap their heads around. And I love that twice we have this interaction with the disciples and we see, just like us, that they had a really limited perspective, that they were fixed on kind of the earthly idea, not the eternal idea. They're fixed on the natural answers, not the supernatural revelation that Jesus was trying to bring to them. So Thomas says, don't, uh, we don't know where you're going, uh, and so can't you give us some directions? So he's looking for some directions. Philip says, can't you just show us the Father now? Can't you just bring God out of heaven and put him before our eyes? Because he's trying to understand something with sight instead of by faith. He says, I can't see it. I can't make sense of it. So can't you just show us God? And both the, request, both the requests reveal this limitation in the, in the perception, in the perspective of the disciples, that they're only living by sight and they're not living by faith. It's like when you see those horses and they're walking around with blinkers or blinders sometimes they're called on the side of the horse's eyes. And then the jockeys sometimes put them on the eyes of the horse. Sometimes when they're out on the road so they're not distracted by the other traffic that's around. Sometimes you'll even see it in horse racing because all the crowds and everything that's going on, they're like, no, I need you focused on just what's in front of you. And so they put these blinkers on the eye of the horse. So even if he turns his head, he can't see. He hasn't got the full periphery vision of what's going on. He's got lots of focus, but he doesn't have a, a greater 
perspective. He misses out on what's going on around. And it takes some honesty in us to sometimes realize that we don't always live with the right perspectives. It takes some humility on our behalf to say, you know, sometimes I may have been seeing this wrong. I may have been thinking about this the wrong way. And it's okay to admit that because what we're doing is we're admitting our humility before the almighty God. Because the Bible tells us Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, As the heavens are above the earth, and we're all like, yeah, of course. As the heavens are above the earth, so my ways, God says, are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And it's okay for us to humble ourselves under that. Because none of us are choosing to say, I hope, that I'm as good as God this morning. I know as much as God. I've got a bigger picture perspective than God has right now. I've been on this earth a time or two. I know a thing or two about what's going on. All of us are willing to humbly say, okay, yeah, I can't see like God can see. I haven't got the right thoughts. I haven't got the right perspective. Of course, we're not always right. Now, everybody knows somebody who thinks they are always right. And if you don't know somebody who thinks they are always right, maybe we're looking at you. Maybe you're the person that everybody else thinks always knows the answer and always had a better perspective. And you've met those people and, uh, and you like those people, but you're not really friends with those people. Because it's, it's awkward being around with somebody who, who always thinks they've got a better answer, who always says, or, or, or deliberately comes with a different perspective. Not because it's helpful, just because it makes them sound more clever. Anybody got by somebody like that in your life? But our ways, our thoughts, they're not as high as God's. And so it takes some humility for us to recognize and admit that sometimes we're not always right. Sometimes we get it wrong because we're not perfect people. We are imperfect human beings. We've all sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. But when we're humble enough to admit that our ways and our thoughts and our perspectives are not always right, when we're humble enough to do that, it makes room for faith to grow in our hearts. Because sometimes we've been so closed off to something greater that God might want to do because we're living in the perspective of, well, I know what's right, and I'm going to do this, and I've made my plans, and is there room enough in our hearts to grow in faith and say, God, would you blow my perspective out of the water? Would you blow my expectation? Because God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So what Jesus does when he speaks to the disciples here in, in the passage, and particularly as we kind of come into to focus on verse 12, what happens uh, in, in the words of Jesus is that he's trying to awaken faith within the disciples. He's trying to stop them from living with just the limitations of an earthly perspective, just based on what they think and how they feel and what they see and what they think is reasonable. He's trying to awaken some faith in them because there's a difference there's a difference between us having faith in the existence of God, and that's quite different to having an active, expectant faith in God. Just because you have faith in the existence of God doesn't mean that you have faith that God is going to do something immeasurably more in your life. There's a difference there in our understanding of the power and the gift of faith in our life. Because, of course, somebody who has faith in the existence of God, that's a starting point, and that's, a, that's an essential starting point. But that can be far and away from somebody who holds to the truth of Scripture and says, all things are possible for those who believe. 
That's a really different part of our faith journey than somebody who just has an understanding in faith in the existence of God. There's the acceptance of faith, and then there's the activation of faith. And Jesus is trying to take his disciples on a journey to not just have an understanding and an acceptance of faith, but also so they can activate faith in their life. It starts, obviously, with us acknowledging and understanding and accepting the existence of God, but then it leads us into this experience of the supernatural power of God at work in our lives. That the same God who created us, the same God who created the earth is still at work in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can almost see the difference even in two of Jesus' words here. Verse 11, he says, believe me when I say, but then in verse 12, he shifts the emphasis. In verse 12, he says, whoever believes in me. So when Jesus said, uh, when Jesus said, verse 11, believe me when I say, he's acknowledging, okay, you see that I'm a source of truth. You see that I am delivering the message that the Father gave me. I'm a source of truth. But in verse 12, when he says, whoever believes in me is acknowledging Jesus as a source, not just of truth now, but a source of power. Whoever believes in me, there's a shift at that point. There's an activation of faith in that point. I don't just believe that you're real. I don't just believe that you say the truth, but I believe that you've got the power to make a difference in my life. I believe that the, the, the situations and circumstances circumstances right now might look like this. If God is for me, who can be against me? God is able to do immeasurably more than I can ever act of imagine. I'm not just going to live by sight. God, I want to live by faith. Whoever believes in me, verse 12, will do the works that I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. This is one of those verses that is so far out of our normal perspective that it can be hard to wrap our heads around. And I remember as a young Christian struggling with this verse for years to, to really understand what does this mean? You will do, you will see even greater things than these. Well, well how could that be possible? Because I know all of my flaws and I know all of my imperfections and I know that I'm nothing close to being like Jesus. So how could it be possibly true that I can see even greater things than these? And for years I've struggled to, to really grasp the understanding of, of how this could be outworked until God gave me this really simple revelation. When Jesus talks about even greater things here, it's not about greater quality, it's about a greater quantity. Because of course, we can't do greater things than Jesus. At this point in his ministry, they've seen him perform incredible miracles. They've seen people healed. They've seen people raised from the dead. All these different things. And of course, our role is to not say, well, I can do one better than that. That's not faith. That's arrogance. Maybe you're that same person who thinks that you never get something wrong. So whoever believes in Jesus will do greater things. It doesn't mean that we're greater than Jesus. It means that the great things that Jesus is doing are not finished yet. It means that his outworking of God's purposes on earth don't finish when he ascends to heaven. Don't finish just when we accept faith into our life. That there are still greater things for us to see in God and through God in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our ministries. Because God is not finished yet. And so when Jesus revealed this to them, the proof of that is in the rest of the New Testament. Because the New Testament didn't finish at the end of the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We go on to read that God was still active in the earth. We go on to read in the gospels that Jesus still comes out victorious from the empty tomb. We go on to read in Acts about Peter preaching and 3,000 people giving their lives to Christ in one day. We read about Paul praising in the prison cell and supernaturally there's an earthquake and the walls come falling down and the kingdom of God advances. We read about the gospel being scattered, not just starting in the city, but going to the nation, then going to the nations of 
the world. And so we read that there were greater things to come. And that story is still being told in your life today. The story of the outworking of God's purposes that haven't finished, that are still active, are represented in you and me sitting in a church in North Yorkshire 2,000 years after this scripture was written, still believing, still seeing, still knowing that God is moving, that this is still a house of miracles, that God is still changing lives. There are still healings to come. There are still miracles to be seen. There's still breakthrough to be had in our time. And Jesus was desperate in the text here desperate for the disciples to not settle, but to stay expectant, to stay ready for a fresh move of God, to stay awake, to receive everything that God wanted to do. And there is still a greater amount of God's power to be seen on our earth. There are still miracles to be seen. There are still provision to be received. There are still lives to be changed. And I want to tell you this, there is still room in your life. Whoever you are this morning, there is still room in your life for God to do something greater than you've experienced before. There's still room for you. Nobody's excluded from that. Some of you who are in this room and you've been a Christian for many, many years. You may be in a later season of life. There's still room in your life for God to do something greater than you've seen before. Others of you are just starting out in a faith journey this morning. Maybe you found yourself in church and you wouldn't even identify yourself today as a Christian. Yet at this point, there is still greater in your life that God wants to do than any of the high moments you've seen in your life. There's still room. And Jesus said this in John 14, 12, to, to awaken the disciples' faith, to change their perspective and to cause them to believe for greater things. Because you said, hey, I'm not going to be around forever. Remember, they were used to living with a physical representation of, of God. And Jesus said, I'm going to be going back to the Father soon. There'll be a death, there'll be a resurrection, but then there'll be an ascension. I won't be here on earth. I'll return to the throne room of heaven. But when I return, he says, God's not done. When I've left this place, I haven't left you empty or alone. There's still the power of the Holy Spirit, and there's still the purposes of God being outworked in this earth. And he was desperate they would know that this wasn't the end. And I think that's so important for us to remember this morning. Right at the beginning of a new year, that there is still more, there is still greater that God wants to do in our lives. And we know that's true. If you're a Christian, we know it's true. We believe the word of God. We know that God's still alive and active, that his purposes are not in pause in, in any season, that he can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. We can quote the scriptures. We know the statements of faith. And yet, if we're honest, still, we lose perspective sometimes. Still, sometimes, despite all of our biblical knowledge, despite all of our experience in church, despite all of our well-articulated prayers that we've prayed over the years and the courses that we've done and everything else, yet still, even the most experienced of Christians still sometimes live by sight instead of living by faith. And I want to ask you this question this morning. Have you got room for a greater experience of God in your life this year? Have you got room? And I felt really strongly as I was preparing this week and just spent so much time in prayer and studying these scriptures that God just placed that question so heavily on my heart this morning that we should stop for a moment and just reflect. So would you close your eyes? 
And I'm going to leave in a moment just, just a few seconds of silence for us to reflect individually this morning on this question. Have you got room for a greater experience of God in your life this year? Have you got room? Sometimes we're so busy that we've stopped seeking God. Sometimes our lives and our structures and our finances and our schedules, sometimes our lives have become so well planned that we've not made room for God to interrupt our plans. Sometimes we can get so consumed with what's going on right now so consumed with our feelings and our circumstances that we can't see what God is already doing. We haven't stopped to say, God, where are you in this? Because we're so consumed with the, with the drama or with the mess or with the whatever that we can't see that God is already outworking his purposes in our lives. Sometimes we become so settled. If we're honest, we become so settled that we've stopped believing for greater things. And I know this is a struggle this morning. I know that the reality of this struggle is true because it's been true for me many times over. It's true for me that sometimes I've got so caught up in what I'm doing that I've neglected my, my devotion. Sometimes I know that it's true for me that I've got so wrapped up in my feelings that I've allowed it to start to affect my faith sometimes. And don't pretend that it's not true for you and that I'm the only poor Christian up here this morning. Because I, I know if it's true for me, then it's, it's also true for each one of us that sometimes we struggle with these things. Despite our experience, despite our biblical knowledge, despite the revelations we've had in the past, sometimes we still get so consumed with stuff that we've stopped believing for greater. There's always something greater that God wants to do in our lives. And there's something greater that he wants to do through your life. Because you're not just called to be a consumer of Christianity. That you take in and you take in. But actually God wants to make a difference through your life this year. He wants to do something in you and he wants to do something through you. Something greater than what you've seen so far. That if you're still here, there is still purpose for you. And so don't miss out on the greater things that God wants to do in your life because it didn't look the way that you expect. Because sometimes we've, we've locked ourselves into a certain perspective, certain way of thinking, well, this is what God will do and this is how God will move. Don't miss what God wants to do because it doesn't look like you expected. Don't miss out on something because it required a change of your plans, a change of your perspective, a change of your priorities. There is still time for God to do something greater in your life than you've experienced before. And I believe that this morning, God wants to give some of you a, a greater vision for your life this year. Some of you, that's already started this morning, before I started to talk, but when you were in the presence of God during worship, God was just starting to awaken something in your faith. Maybe you saw a glimpse of a vision of, hey, maybe I could do this differently. Maybe this is something I could do. Maybe this is a way that I could bring God into my family. This is, maybe this is how I could make a difference for God in, in my workplace, in my school. I believe that for some of you this morning, God wants to give you that greater vision. Maybe you've settled into already 
eight days into a new year and you've kind of settled into a routine in your faith. You've settled into perhaps a, a season in your life. And, and some of you, because of a, perhaps a later season in your life, and I'm not just talking about age now, but just the, the, the age and stage you find yourself in, you've, you've thought, well, faith was for a younger generation. Faith is somebody else's baton now. I need to pass that on. But the reason you're here on this earth is there is still room for God to do something greater in your life. So don't excuse yourself out of a great exploit for the kingdom of God because of whatever age and stage you're at. Whether you think you're too young, too old, too experienced, not experienced enough, if you make room in your life, there is greater that God wants to do. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.